When the world turns against you, at least there's a backup. Welcome to Fate and Fortune. For those who have joined us for the first time, Fate and Fortune takes place at the turn of the 20th century, where sword and steel meets magic and monsters. We're using Weird Games' Through the Breach role-playing system. I'm your Fate Master, Danny, and today's Fated are... Jed, as Julius Ignis. Matt, playing Sapper Carlson. And Nate, as Owen Gunn. Whether our cast meets their fate, or find themselves in good fortune. We do hope you enjoy today's tale. The man was dedicated. Galen Voss would give him that. Four confirmed target kills, nine support functions that led to successful eliminations, and countless missions that had ended in a diplomatic solution under his presence. Whether the casual observer would have seen him as a key player or not, but of all of his agents, few were as versatile as Siegfried. The man showed nothing in the face of disaster. Calmness that stilled those around him from day one, and it was Galen's greatest loss to know that his time with the group had come to an end. The Guild of Mercantilers may have held the illusion of control over the nations of Earth, but anyone with the resources to investigate further could see how thin that veil really was. The world, after all, was still in chaos. Terror groups and mafia families still ran much of Europe and Asia. The guild simply didn't have the manpower to focus on any one territory without instantly losing control over another. That is why Galen decided to do something. Tensions were high between the guild and England's king, Edward VII, as the guild were pushing him to dispatch more troops to keep control in India. Galen had used these tensions to secure funding for a small task force. To track the actions of the Guild and the other controlling parties across their homeworld, and report back any misdeeds, the group became known as the Watch. Keeping track, of course, had led to the discoveries of many wrongdoings. Most common of which were occurrences of terror factions simply paying off the Guild to continue with their own malicious deeds, and few were as malicious as Monsieur Duron the rising head of France's milieu that was as elusive as he was dangerous. While his face had appeared publicly on many occasions, any witness reports would arrive with a vastly different description. One week he was a fair blonde with an iconic moustache, the next long black hair that gave him the appearance of an ancient count. Each time, however, he carried the air and grace of a man in charge, speaking with a tongue slick with poison. 
The man had discovered Voss's own agents on multiple occasions, though no direct action had been taken as of yet against them. The outright acknowledgement of their presence had spread fear through Galen's ranks. Less and less of the Watch would accept any mission that put them in Duran's radar, for fear of their own or their family's lives. Duran was becoming untouchable, even by those who had dedicated themselves to keep such people in check, and his next act would surely be the final nail to secure his position above all law and reason. He was going to kill the king. The country of Spain was known worldwide for a terrible disaster. During the century before the breach reopened, a group of powerful necromancers had gathered to take hold of the once great land. And they succeeded. No population survived the raise, and ever since control had finally been recollected, the borders had remained closed to promote a quarantine while the straggling corpses rotted and fell. This barrier may have staved off government interaction, but the quarantine of Spain had become a sort of capital for high-profile assassins, who would keep their skills sharp by practicing on the waking dead that roamed the land. Assassins that used both magic and steel to secure their kills. The most prevalent major of which was, of course, necromancy. After all, control over existing undead was just as important to teaching as the creation of them. There was an assassin that dwelled here, feared throughout most of Europe, with many believing that it was by her hand that many of the undead that took Spain from the world were created. Whether this was true or not, it was she that Monsieur Duron had contacted according to letters intercepted by one of the Watch's eyes and ears. While her name had been lost to the decades, a moniker was repeated in reference to her actions. Widow's Lace. The Watch was far beyond simply reporting these actions to the courts at this point. Words now replaced with action, and the group's title was straying further and further from their function as time went on. But despite the level of heroic espionage that they had completed, the fear of Duron had snaked its way to the heart of the organisation. The monthly meeting was held, the password uttered between folk that stepped into the faux store, with hats tipped low and eyes spread to every passerby. A warm November would do us well. Once the gathered herd calmed in the large back room, the assignment docket was brought to order. A description of each mission was given, and any who wished to partake would raise an arm to show interest. There was a general respect given that no one would be pressed into any mission, though there was always an arm or two raised as the morality of the few dozen volunteers called for them to take action, and a small round of applause would accompany those taking the risk. When the call came to take up arms to prevent Widow's Lace and Geron's agreement from being finalised, however, a deafening silence fell on the room. Faces twisted, and jaws clenched, shuffling feet on the wooden floorboards, and the odd cough of discomfort rose from the crowd. Galen froze. 
There had never been a mission this great, he knew that. But never before had there been no name to assign. A single arm pushed up through the crowd. Galen's gaze met with the eyes of the Rock of the Watch, and he understood. Siegfried's fist was white with silent rage at his fellows, and two more arms carefully followed suit. So Siegfried, Mariah, and Ruth. Mariah and Ruth were relatively new cadets, those who hadn't interacted with Geron just yet, and Galen had his reservations on including them in such a dangerous mission. But they each held exemplary field expertise, and were comfortable following his direct orders. And if he was honest with himself, he needed the feet on the ground. Siegfried, though, he was another story. He had joined the Watch after growing up in the aftermath of the Black Powder Wars, a time where the short supply of soulstones were fought over with combustion and lead. He had risen to see the cost of the Guild's victory, and the blood they had spilled to do so. Without his hand in the air, there would surely have been outrage, and Voss had had to hide a slight wave in his voice as he made the call. He raised his own hand to join them. If there was any question of his leadership before, there would be none now, and together they might have a chance. The crowd almost gave away their location in cheer of their newfound heroes. Voss had organised the plan perfectly. The agents would take time off as holiday to see the views of Provence, Bordeaux, and, quite daringly considering its proximity to the Spanish border, Toulouse. Each paid in cash, and were kept off any records. They even brought their families as cover. There, each would regroup on the border and infiltrate the undead country to lay a trap for Duron as he met with his assassin. The trio were merciless against the undead, able to hold off much of the shambling bodies that dared to interrupt the mission, and Siegfried had even dug them a stakeout pit when they were caught out in the night away from any standing town. There was a running jest with every mission report, where each noted a new skill that Siegfried displayed that had taken the entire team aback, and Galen almost smiled to himself at being finally included in the joke. It had taken them two days by horse to reach the leaked coordinates, as having to keep out of sight for any practicing mercenaries or an unaccounted undead horde had forced their paths to be somewhat sporadic. They hitched their mounts and walked the last mile. The report had indicated that Widow's Lace was to be meeting with a very low-volume detachment of Duran's personal messengers, and Duran himself, which proved to be inaccurate intel. Though there was a very low volume of guard, they appeared to be very high class. The price of their brandished weapons alone was staggering. Duran, however, was not present. Among the rival party a woman Galen was keenly aware to be the king of the seedy underbelly's right hand, instead stood. A bright pastel parasol blocking out the harshness of the Spanish day 
Versimilitude Winchester. A woman who, by all accounts, should be dead. The number of times she had been arrested by both French National Police and the Guild, only to be released on the same day without charge, was well over a dozen. And Galen had even heard that her interrogators had almost all since taken their own lives, or at least retired from their professions. The four of them were outgunned, and all but Siegfried were frightened out of their boots. But action was necessary. The Watch's morale rested on this mission. Duran had escaped every single strike against his name, and the removal of his key assassin, let alone his right hand, would be essential in disproving his immortality. Boss had the unit spread wide, Siegfried taking point at a sniping position, while the others took to securing the getaway carriage, the mission of course was likely impossible, they were quite aware of that, and he wanted to make sure his troops would be able to break free with the only transport available to ensure their safety. He took a cigar from his lapel and lit it, sucking in a flaring lungful before calmly breaking his cover, pistol in hand. If he alone died here, he'd go down a martyr, the watch would rise with renewed purpose, the only purpose that motivated people beyond their moral responsibility alone. Revenge. Versimilitude was the first to make note of him. His stone-cold eyes hanging on him with an indifference that made his legs quake. There was something about her lack of response that threw up every red flag in his mind. She knew he was coming. No, 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 this couldn't be. The necromancer turned as well. A purple soulstone the size of an apple topped an otherwise bland walking cane. Her green eyes glowing beneath a black mourner's dress. She whistled a low tone. Before he could raise the pistol to the assassin, his arms were seized by the pallid limbs of the undead. As they gripped him, he could hear tendons pulling away from bones in the zombie's thick, yet rotting biceps. But they still held firm. The woman stepped toward him, and Versimilitude took the hooked end of her parasol and pulled his knee forward, the zombies instinctively pressing down on his shoulders. He had never met her up close, only seeing in reports that she was present for much of Durand's dealings. The right-hand woman of the crime world's most powerful man was a terror to behold. Her poise outshone that of the necromancer, a thick air of elegance and grace that perfectly hid the atrocities that were carried out in her wake, as if she was nothing more than a high-level socialite. But her eyes... Her eyes showed how insignificant he was to her. How little the watch meant in the grand scheme. How could any... How could any of them hope to stand up against? The necromancer whimpered. Though her blood was simply too congealed to flow, the bullet that exited her temple and hit the ground behind his ear had Galen seeing clearly again. Versimilitude faltered. It was merely a second. The crack in her armor proved the mission. They are not invincible, 
He felt the slack of the undead that fell away as their master had done so and raised his pistol to the temple of Miss Winchester, but did not pull the trigger. Why would he? The necromancer was dead. Siegfried had made sure of that. And what victory would be greater than severing Geraint's right hand, than finally forcing him into the weakness of begging for her return? More bullet shots. The team were engaging with those undead that remained, and whatever forces Versimilitude had brought. But Galen was confident in his men and women. He focused on his own world, himself, and the monster that stood emotionless before him. The monster leaned her temple against the barrel of his gun, her grey eyes level with his own. Her lips parted, revealing those military grave teeth, and in a tone just audible over the gunfire around them, she whispered the last three words Galen Voss had wished to hear in that moment. Provence, Bordeaux, Toulouse. Eventually the firing ceased, and Siegfried rejoined his leader. Galen's eyes were blurry from the tears, and he walked the prisoner who calmly let herself be led to the carriage she had arrived in. Before he had returned, Siegfried had already started tending to the wounds of his cohorts, somehow both alive. Though they were certainly no official military force, many of the members had taken their own ranking titles to use as code names on the field, usually in relation to their skill sets. This man had certainly earned more than his own nickname, that's for damn sure. Galen took his hand and shook it with vigour, knowing in his heart that this would be the last time the Watch's Rock would stand with them. It had been an honour working alongside the Sapper. Thank you so much for listening to the prologue of The Void is Always Darker. And special thanks to the Scoundrels and Basmalo4 on Twitter for naming Galen Voss of Versimilitude Winchester. The first two names selected from a Fate and Fortune name a character competition. I truly hope the two of you, and of course you, dear listener, enjoyed their introduction. We had the idea for Sapper's background during his very first session to have some kind of military backstory with his additional skill sets that we've all seen. But the additions of Galen Voss and Miss Winchester have added so much depth to the planned journey of the character. And honestly, I just love saying them. Galen Voss. Versimilitude Winchester. We'll have another name of character competition after the conclusion of the coming episode. So keep close to your etherfoxes, folks. For next time, we truly journey through the breach in our last episode of Season 1. The void is always darker. Until then, stay safe, listeners. No, really, stay safe.